In just a few minutes, we're going to continue our examination of Second Peter. But earlier in his life, when Peter was being examined, uh, people were saying of him, and the, the leaders of the religious world were saying, how do you have this power that you have? What's, what's leading you? What's taking place in your life? And in Acts chapter 4, they asked him, they said, by what power or what by, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if you, we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is now standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone and rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, Peter said, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God, we come to you this morning and by your name, God, by your name, we pray that and believe that in this room this morning that you can heal, that you can do miracles. God, we believe that in this room today you can bring salvation to those who up until this point have, for whatever reason, God, have rejected you, have, God, have turned from you. And God, this morning, uh, they, I pray that they are introduced to you this morning in a very real way. God, that they acknowledge you, that they see their need for you in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that by your great name, we come this morning. By your great name and your great power, we come this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. This morning, we're going to jump right into 2 Peter. If you would just go ahead and turn to 2 Peter, we began an examination of this book last Sunday, gave you an introduction through the first two verses. And today, I'll give you great news. We're going to make it through verse 4, all right? So two weeks, four verses. At this rate, we'll finish 2 Peter by the end of 2018, okay? Uh, but really, we're going to speed up a little bit here and there as we walk through this book together. But I do want to remind you of where we were last Sunday. Um, it tells us in Second Peter, uh, I want to remind you of the introduction because I want to keep building on this so you know who is speaking when we are, what authority by which he is speaking and what stance he is taking. So as we walk through this book, we see that the writer, Peter, has great authority, has a great attitude, could have introduced himself with all the accolades of things that he had been a part of, but instead... This is how he introduced himself, and we saw this last week, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So in this introduction, I don't want you to just to see this as, wow, it's an introduction we see him identifying himself in a way that I think that we can identify with him and he gains trust from the reader then and now because he says, I'm a servant, I'm an apostle, and I'm an equal fellow citizen through Jesus Christ. And what he means of equality in him speaking of this then as a fellow citizen of equal standing. He's not talking about his citizenship in an earthly relationship. He's talking about his equal standing through Jesus Christ. And here's what this equality means, and it's the same for us today. We are equal. We are equal in that every single one of us have sinned. 
We are equal that every single one of us, because of our sin, deserve death. We are equal in that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and offered salvation for us. We are equal in that we can submit our lives to God through Jesus Christ. That's equality. That is the true definition there of us being lost in our sin and in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, across the board, every single one of us. And Peter is saying, listen, there's a lot of things that I could have done. There's a lot of ways I could introduce myself, but I'm going to introduce myself as a servant, an apostle, and a fellow citizen. I'm going to make sure you understand those things. And we left last week with one question. It was this, what does the Lord want to do with me today? And this question has been challenging for me this week. I don't know how your week has been, but my week's been a little strange. Uh, A couple of unique occurrences that I won't get into this morning. Uh, But I I have had numerous opportunities this week going somewhere or doing something when I've said in my heart and my mind, I've prayed out loud in the car driving somewhere particular this week, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? Why? Because I want to be your servant. I want to be your witness. And I'm of equal standing with anybody who trusts in Jesus Christ. I'm not above anybody. I'm not below anybody. I'm of equal standing through Jesus Christ. And that was great encouragement to me. Uh, what's also been of great encouragement to me is the number of you who are cho- have chosen to invest yourselves and some of your time in growing as a servant, as an apostle, as a witness, as someone, as a fellow citizen. Almost 50 of you of men have signed up to be in a small groups through Every Man a Warrior. You guys are jumping into that this week on different times of the week. We've got some ladies groups that have jumped in and started. We also have some of you this week that have been calling and asking and coming to me and saying, how do I find out about Sunday school classes that happen on a Sunday morning? And so we've been accommodating, trying to answer all those questions. And we are so thankful that you realize the need to continue to grow as a servant, to continue to grow as a witness and a fellow citizen. What does the Lord want me to do today was our question last week. But I want us to continue in our journey this morning, and we're going to look at the power that we have in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Prior to digging into the rest of 2 Peter and the warnings and instructions that he gives, I want us to see the power that he stands upon, that he tells us that we can stand upon in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 to examine that power but when I was a student pastor here for many years, uh, it, was, it was a great way when we were traveling somewhere. If I had teenagers with me, especially young men, if we were traveling somewhere and I wanted to get their attention and I wanted to get them to just kind of focus and talk about something collectively, I could ask this question. Hey, any of you guys have an opinion on who you think is the greatest superhero? And they would start arguing over the superpowers and which one's the best. Now, I hesitate to introduce this to you because some of you are going to spend the rest of the sermon coming up with your argument for me why your favorite superhero is the best, okay? So let me just break this down, how this conversation used to go, and it's changed some because some of the superheroes have been reintroduced, all right? If you were a fan of Batman or Iron Man, oh, come on, really? They're not that great. Money can buy anything, all right? Superman, great powers, Terrible costume, all right? Spider-Man, how much web can really be in a wrist, all right? As you're talking through this. And all these conversations, and they would argue, and they would talk about which one had the greatest superpowers. And then if you go to a movie, a Marvel movie, 
and you're coming out, and our sons have been coming out of these movies, and you hear people talking, and they'll say this. That, that just wasn't realistic at all. They're fake. None of their powers. Now, some of you men in this room are going to go to counseling after I say this. None of their powers are real. They are not superpowers. But Scripture says that you, as a servant, as a citizen, as a partaker of Jesus Christ, that you have a power that lives in you that is real, that is vibrant, that is applicable to your everyday life. I don't know that you grasped that this morning when you woke up and whatever you were thinking on your way into church, but did you grasp and did you think this morning that living inside each of us as believers is the divine power of a holy God? And Peter says, let me introduce myself and let me tell you why we're here. And then in verse 3 and 4, he gives the standing by which his instructions are going to come from. He says, his divine power. His divine power. The, the Greek for this, not to try to impress you because anybody can look it up on Google, all right, is Theos Dunamis. That sounds like the best superhero title ever, right? It means having the nature of God and the power to perform any given task. Having the nature of God to perform a given task. He says, His divine power. You have within you as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a servant, as a witness, as a fellow citizen, the power of God. Divine power. Let me just help you understand and refresh you on this divine power. This divine power had the power to create all that we know and live and breathe in a mere seven days. Divine power to create the universe. His divine power, prophets prophesied and would call upon his divine power and he would perform some of the most miraculous, mystifying tasks in front of them. His divine power, through his divine power, seas have been split. Cities have fallen as people marched around the cities and declared the name of the Lord through his divine power. Through his divine power, power, miracles took place to the sick and to the dead. In the New Testament, to the blind, to those who were forgotten, marginalized by society, his divine power in those moments through Jesus Christ, but also his apostles showed up in a very real, very viable, visible way. His divine power. His divine power allowed God to offer His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for your sins. His divine power, not inability, but His divine power allowed that Savior to be placed in a tomb. His divine power in three days conquered not just the physical grave, but spiritual, our sins and death forever. His divine power 
was given and placed upon the lives and acts upon those as followers of Jesus who committed their lives to Christ and they took this message and the things that they'd seen and the teachings they had and they took that message and it multiplied throughout the world and we sit here today not because of their power but because of His divine power. When you woke up this morning, you may not have felt divine power. But you, as a follower of Christ, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, His divine power is in you. But too many of us have silenced this. We said, well, that's not real powerful everyday living. That's just, it sounds great, Pastor. If you've ever flown internationally, you know that there's a great difference between first class and we regular folks right there's there's the magic wall that appears the flight gets loaded up and they come out and they the the flight attendant they don't just kindly shut the curtain between first class and we people in the cattle car they reach up and they grab it and they look at you in the eye and they jerk it shut don't go in there that is for those people they get that food and last year we were coming back from tanzania and we were on the maiden voyage for a new plane. It had been flown before, right? And the maiden voyage on this plane, we looked up into first class through the little gap there and the little the thing there. We looked up and they were having, not that this is great of interest to me, but they were having for their introductory flight, they, they, they had a bottle of wine and cheesecake. They were all sitting there eating before the flight. The air wasn't working in regular class. We were sweating to death, and they were enjoying themselves. But man, there's a big difference between those. And we think, wow, I want what they've got. And many of us live our lives spiritually thinking, I want what she's got. I want what he's got. Listen, there is no curtain separating us. There is a power, divine power, that has been given to those of us who have confessed with our mouth, believed in Jesus Christ, He has entered into your life. It's not for somebody on the other side of the tracks or on the other side of life or difficulties. It's for you. But it has a purpose. It has a distinct purpose, as we're going to see this morning. We are shaped and we are protected. We'll see all of these flushed out this morning. We are shaped, we are protected, and we are guided by the divine power of God. This theos dunamis is shaping us, protecting us, and it is guiding us. A couple things I want us to see this morning about this divine power. This divine power is not distant and destructive. Rather, it is personal and it is instructional. It is a part of our everyday lives. As We'll see this as we continue in this series. Dunamis is from where we get our word dynamite. And dynamite, you think, well, man, somebody throws a stick of dynamite and runs because it's just going to blow things up. But God's word, as we're going to see this morning, is not a distant, destructive power for God to throw in our lives and watch the bomb go off. No, it is personal and it is instructional for our lives. He goes on. We've made it past the first three words now. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Elsewhere in scripture, 
other writers talk about this power and talk about the fulfillment that we have in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. He recognizes later in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my what? Power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul declares, I'm weak. He's strong. I'm insufficient. God is more than sufficient. I'm powerless. He is powerful. But many of us, again, have distanced ourselves for whatever reason. We don't believe in this power, but this divine power is there for us in our lives, and it is personal, and it is instructional. The divine power has also delivered great promises for shaping us. Divine power has delivered great promises for shaping us. Again, you could take his divine power um, in, in this passage and you could move it to the beginning of every, after every comma and really form multiple sentences here because it overrides all of this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So he's given us not just some obscure type of faith or promises, but he's given us his word. So he's given us these very great promises to guide us and to lead our lives with. How to deal with suffering, death, Relational difficulties, our finances, our emotions. Where do we gain wisdom? How do we make decisions? All Scripture, 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for, let's say this together, Every good work. You see this? These great and precious promises that are given to us in his word are there for us so that he can work in us and through his work in us can prepare us for his good works. It's not about us developing for us. It's about him developing those things in us for his good work. It is instructional. It's transformational. And listen, if you're sitting in this room this morning, you say, you know, Pastor, I I get it. It's instructional. It's there for me. It's God's word. But I just don't know if if it's something for me. Then I just tell you this, then stay where you are. Keep ending up in the same sinful temptations and struggles that you're having. Keep hitting that same wall that you think, man, you want to push past. Instead, What if we were to examine his word and his great and precious promises and what they mean for our daily lives? I think of a lot of you young people in this room this morning. I say young people, 20 and under. You know, one of the things that I see and and watch is that the definition of who you are 
by most accounts, is given by your social media status and whether or not you're liked or disliked or good or not good. And I want you to know something this morning. His great and precious promises in Psalm 139 tells me that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are His. You see, those great and precious promises begin to define us, begin to give us an understanding of how He desires to use us. But the promises, the great and precious promises of God cannot shape somebody who never examines them. Reminds me of years ago, we... We got our first metal. Some of you remember these metal playground set at our house. There's five million pieces in each of those boxes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It may not be a, 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 a set like that. It may be on Christmas Eve. You realize that you've got some work to do, and there's five million pieces. And if you men, if you're like me, used to be, or I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to work on this in life, we, we laid out all the pieces to the set in our, inside our garage, and we thought about it, and we looked at it, and the instruction manual was over there, and me and one of our young college students were over here, and we just made the decision we could put this thing together on our own. And in the end, you get done, and you get done, and it's together, and you're left holding some screws and bolts in your hand thinking, well, these must be extra. They don't send extras. It's not cost-effective to send extras. But if we would have evaluated simple illustration here, the instructions that were given to us, otherwise it's a pack of paper with words on it. These great and precious promises are given to us through His divine power in your life. Grasp the importance this morning of this word. Grasp the importance of examining the divine power that has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness through and being used by the, for the glory of God. And in this, He has given us His very great and precious promises. Those of you who are on social media later on today, we're going to post a link um, to a, a, a guide to help you walk through Second Peter with us. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different than when you go to a normal Bible study and they list out everything for you and you've got to answer the questions according to really how they want you to answer the questions. We're going to tell you what weeks we're preaching on what. Uh, we're going to give you a bunch of empty space and some questions to ask and how to examine Second Peter on your own for you to discern his great and precious promises. And then we'll continue to walk through that collectively as a church as we go on. You want to know how to face the struggles that life throw at you? You want to know how to do those things, invest in His Word. His divine power is also granted to us to shape us and enable us to resist our sinful desires. We are servants. We are witnesses. We are fellow citizens. And He has His divine power in us. Great promises to prepare us and great promises to help us. Verse 4, the latter part says having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we gain an understanding that's different than before. And one of the things that we come to understand and know is this. We are good at sinning. It comes natural to us. If you don't agree with that or believe that, watch a toddler. 
They are natural little sinners. You don't send them to preschool. They don't have a grammar time and a, a math time and a building block time and a teach you to sin time. They just know how to do it. They know how to look you in the eyes as parents and say no. They know how to grab a toy and pull it to themselves and be greedy and selfish. Why? Because we were born into sin. Some of you are going, wow, I never thought about it that way. But we are born into sin. They become selfish and greedy and disobedient without any instruction. And Peter says here, but your divine power, this divine power, Jesus Christ, this divine power has given to us to shape us, to help us resist evil desires. Again, the verse end of verse 4 says, Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He doesn't believe in any way, shape, or form, Peter, nor Paul, nor any of the writers of the books of the New Testament to believers, that once you become a believer, you never sin again. You've got it all figured out. Temptations will leave you alone. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he said, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He says, listen, I know that that's in your past. I know that you're going to have to continue to overcome temptations, but continue to pursue me through his divine power. Our pursuit is to become more like Christ. Some of us, though, we look at that and we say, well, if I know that I can't be perfect, then I'll just keep on sinning. And Paul says, no, that's not the approach either. That's not a correct understanding of the grace of God. Peter declares himself for us from the onset. He says, I am a servant. I'm a witness. I'm a fellow citizen. Then he says, you need to know this. His divine power. It's personal. It's instructional to you. It grants you everything you need for this life and for godliness. It gives you everything you need to bring glory to the Lord. It brings everything through His divine power. It gives you His great and precious promises. It gives you everything you need in His divine power to resist temptation. But too many of us live our lives as if we've got to go through the curtain. As if somebody on the other side has it all figured out and it's just not for you. But if you've surrendered your lives to Christ... His divine power is for you. One of the reasons that I wanted us to see and walk through this so in depth, these first four verses, is because we as a church believe that we've been given the calling to shape our community. And and if we want to shape our communities, then we must be continually shaped by the power of God. The church, not little church, rich fork, but the church, bigger church, all the churches, we've grown ineffective at shaping communities because we are no longer being shaped by the power of God. We've become ineffective at at changing communities and their direction and their desires and introducing Jesus to them. Why? Because we as a body, as a whole, not little church, rich fork, bigger church, 
We are no longer trusting in the power and the promises of God in our daily lives. For the purpose of us individually shaping lives for each of us, in order for us to be a part of something larger, we've got to examine our individual lives and say, do I have a desire? Do do I have a desire to be continually shaped by God? I mean, I want you to think through this this morning. Lord, what do you want to do with me today? Maybe a question that's stuck in your mind. It may not have. But this one, do you have a desire to be continually shaped by God? Because this is what this power will do. This is what this divine power is designed to do in your life. It will continually shape you to become more like Christ and less like the world. The question is, do we want to be shaped? Do we want to become more like Christ? Do we want to trust in this power enough to where we wake up in the mornings and we don't even ask a question. We say, Lord, I desire to be continually shaped by you. Today, through your power, through your promises pertaining to life, over to resist the temptations of this world, I desire to be shaped by you. Or do we believe we've got to figure out a way on our own power? to conquer sin do we believe on our own way we've got a better solution to conquering the things of this world peter says listen guys i'm i've seen it all i've seen jesus and the miracles i've seen and experienced his death and his resurrection and i just want you to know i i'm a servant i'm a witness to you and i'm i just want you to know you need to know just because it's 2,000 years ago, His divine power is still living inside us as believers. Power to change us, pertaining to life and godliness, to grant us to, in everything regarding this life, His great and precious promises to help us to resist temptation. And it is personal. God desires to continually shape us. Let's pray this morning.